0: Welcome to Geek Out with Angie Feather-Sutton, an ongoing discussion on geeky topics. Last March, I attended WonderCon here in Los Angeles. I covered it for -for SciFiForMe.com, and I had a lot more content that I never had time to do anything with. One such item was a chance to meet up with some of the guys that were on the High Scorers panel, star composers of the video game world. The panel was, obviously, music composers for video games talking about their work. I managed to get a chance to interview some of them before the panel. I first talked to Gordy Hobb and Niels Vive Nielsen.
1: Hi, I'm Gordy Hobb. I compose the music for Star Wars Battlefront.
2: I am Niels Bu Nielsen, tongue twister. I'm from Denmark and I did the music for the most recent Hitman game.
0: Awesome. Um, I'm a bit of a gamer myself, and one of my big questions is obviously. Composing for a video game is vastly different from composing you know for a movie or TV or even just a a Straight regular composition because of the way video games are set up. Do you find it easier harder just different? What what do you see is the difference?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's just different because you know, of course with film you're dealing with a finite timeline With games you have different, you know technical needs, you know being able to loop music seamlessly or build music in layers uh, that type of thing But in a way, it's it's freeing because you're not dealing with having to catch specific things in picture. You can just write music for the sake of music, and then kind of reverse engineer a way to make it work in a technical way so that it can loop. I'll
2: echo all of that, because it's so true. Uh, Yeah, there are pros and cons to to both medias. Uh, Actually, I kind of like the finite picture thing, even though there isn't the same freedom, but there's a sort of, it's like having a conductor that conducts your music for you to a certain extent. Uh, but we were actually just talking about the music for Battlefront and, and how liberating it was to just sit down and write two minutes of music and not having to adhere to anything except for just writing music. Uh, so I guess there's that pleasure too. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, that's a lot of fun. To be able to do that. Well,
0: and then speaking of Battlefront, our last one, we were talking about obviously John Williams and John Williams music. Yeah. How much do you keep his original score in your mind when you're composing?
1: Well, the way I approached it is I, I sort of boiled down all of the elements of John Williams' music for those films in particular and sort of developed a, a palette of, of John Williams-isms, if you will. And, uh, and then just, movies. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and just listened to a lot for, you know, the first month study scores. And then I just abandoned all of that and wrote whatever I wanted to write, it, just as long as I continued to use that palette as sort of my, my painting tool then it kind of all fell into place. So, yeah, I mean, of course, I was trying to stay within that world, but I was trying to do it in a way that was still original And because we were able to use the original music as well from the films. So, you know, why reinvent what we're already able to use? So it was more about writing new music for new purposes, you know, longer stretches of action music that didn't have all of the light motifs of the the characters from the films. So, yeah, it was a kind of a cool challenge. How yes. much
0: influence did the other Hitmans impact then
2: on what you did? Uh, None to my knowledge. Uh, uh, They wanted to start with a different approach entirely Uh, and that approach sort of changed during the production of the game several times actually. Uh, But the whole idea is that each level is set in a different environment with a different sort of mission. One is more serious, one is more slapsticky. So they wanted the music to change with that. Uh, And Never Dangerous which I believe in the past was sort of a trademark of it but I could be wrong.
0: And what kind of turnaround do you typically have on the
1: video game score? Yeah, so with Battlefront in particular, I had a pretty loose, you know, long schedule. I mean, I was working on the game on and off for about two years. Um, for the first round of music, it was about 80 to 90 minutes of music, so it's pretty luxurious, you know, for a time schedule. You know, as things get progressed into, you know, DLC, the, the schedules are much shorter, so I'm having to, you know, kind of Use my formulas to get it done quickly. But uh, but in the past, it's it's varied from project to project. I mean, I worked on a Star Wars video game maybe four years ago for the Kinect, uh, Microsoft Kinect system. And um, I think I had six weeks to write two hours of music, same style. So, you know, it, it changes from, from gig to gig, I suppose. That's Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, I, know, it was.
2: <laughs> uh, I started with four months and then as everything started to slip and the schedules sort of got rearranged I ended up with me too much time actually and that is not a good thing because <laughs> what you do is you start sick and guessing everything yeah. and you start tweaking and tweaking and tweaking so uh, like a finite deadline is definitely a, a good thing and I didn't have that on, on this game, so yeah. <laughs> and actually what happens is very interesting, you start getting bored of your own music because you've listened to it so long, so you start going, you know, I should chase this, this <laughs> is just nonsense at this yeah. point, it might be perfectly fine, but you've just listened to it so much. Definitely.
0: How much of the actual uh, gameplay do you guys have access to
1: when you're composing? Again it varies, I've had, I've had projects where I had, you know, full videos of gameplay and was able to actually score to picture for cinematics and that type of thing. Uh, with Battlefront it was more working from concept art, so I had you know, sort of an image of you know, what a setting might be and then I was just writing music based on that image and so, because the gameplay was still being developed. It wasn't until about the middle of the project that I was able to actually see some game gl- gameplay and, and play the game myself. Um, which I think is more typical for a lot of games. I don't know
2: how that worked for you. But... Well in the past all I got was video clips. Uh, but this time I decided to move in, so I actually told them clear a room and I'm going to move in to your facility. So I spent three months in Denmark uh, during the development of the game. It was very insightful on all levels uh, just to see how a video game is produced, what 200 people under the same roof do. Uh, it's really crazy. Uh, but that was, that was fantastic. Wouldn't, wouldn't change that for the world. That was brilliant. What do you guys find is the uh, easiest part of the
0: job?
1: The recording session <laughs> because it's so gratifying to finally hear everything that you've been working on for so long come to life and you know and you know the, and then the release date <laughs> that's the other part I like a lot um yeah I mean it, it, the, the writing part is is it's tedium and it's and it's a lot of pressure and you know but I certainly enjoy the process but you know you you've you, there, with the process for the for the reward of the, the end product, and for me, that's always the recording session. Getting to hear it come to life is exciting. So,
2: well, during the three months I was there, I'd have to say lunch break, <laughs> and then hanging out with the cool programmers.
0: Video games have actually you know changed a lot uh, in, you know, since they started. It used to be only 8-bit music and 8-bit sure. things. Um, and do you, you know, have that history in your mind when you're doing it, or do you
1: pay attention to to other stuff? Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, I grew up playing the games that had the 8-bit music, and you know, so they're, of course, they're they're in my mind, and that that is how it used to be done, that's certainly not the case now. I mean, and I come from more of a film composing background, so I went into games with that approach of writing symphonic music or very cinematic music. Um, typically, for the games that I'm working on, for Orchestra, which is you know kind of a, a treat. So, yeah, I mean it's in the back of my head, but I'm always trying to push the bar and you know get people's like understanding of what video game music is. You know, to, to stretch beyond uh, the,
2: the eight-bit sound. If right.
0: In terms of influences on your own work, um, do you, what, what would you say they are? For
2: yeah. uh, Danny Elfman, John Williams. Uh, the good old guys, uh, <clears throat> Stravinsky, Ravel, Debussy. Of course, you don't get to write that kind of music, except for the, the lucky <laughs> bastards who get uh, Battlefront. Because uh, there's just not room for that anymore, it seems like, in the cinematic world. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely taken the change. I think Hans Zimmer has a lot to do with that. Yeah. What he does yeah. is brilliant. Uh, but he has just changed the sound. He changed the sound film, of the film scoring and the video game. Absolutely. Entirely.
1: I mean, obviously, for for Battlefront, the the obvious influence is John Williams, but again, Stravinsky, you know, Rebel, Uh, uh, Jerry Goldsmith, I mean, these were were the guys that were the influences to John Williams when he was writing the music for the Star Wars films. And you can hear it, I can almost point to which, you know, pieces of music were temp scoring the film, you know, because they were obviously highly influential for him as well. So, you know, so I always try to go to the source of the source if I can for inspiration.
3: I'm Emilia from culture and literary blog T and Fiction and you're geeking out with Angie Fiedler
0: Sutton. I then talked to Bill Brown and John Kafer. I
3: am Bill Brown, composer for Film, King. TV, and Games.
4: Hi! Hey, I'm John. Uh, hey, I'm John Kafer.
0: Um, in terms of composing, um, you both have done uh, both, well, I mean you've done both video games as well as regular scores. You're primarily
4: uh, movie, TV? Uh, yeah, uh, TV and film, and then also concert music. Um, yeah.
0: Um, what do you find is, uh, I mean, there's obviously a lot of difference in the, in the mediums. Um, do you find one version harder or easier than the other, or are they all just
4: different? Well, you know, I I approach it like it's a single... Um, that's a hard question to answer. Um, <laughs> just, You know, I approach it as... Um, a unique product each time and so when i'm writing you know i bring all of my abilities together for the project so um you know sometimes things are a little bit more difficult um you know when i'm, I'm working on a project but it's usually i find i i try to find my own voice for it and apply it to what i'm doing um that doesn't really make does that answer your question kind of
3: yeah it's, it's the same answer basically i don't really differentiate between this, this has to sound like this or that that process is like that. It's it's basically just,
0: you know. Each job is different.
3: You know, yeah, wh- whatever it is you're working on, you're pouring yourself into and yeah. ho- hopefully falling in love with it and and you're having that whole experience with it, whatever it is, a game, film, whatever it is.
0: What do you find is the hardest part
4: of the job? Um, the hardest part of the job um, perhaps is... Just uh, forming the uh, the sound that I want for the show, and it's not necessarily hard. It's just um, starting. Starting. It's just you know how do I make a unique sound? How do I build a palette? How do I build um, the uh, if there's if there's melodic um, content that is involved with characters? How do I do that? And it's not hard. It just takes time and it takes thinking and you you, you know you
3: explore, you play, and Hopefully, at some point, something magical happens. Yeah. Something hits, and that's that's why we keep going back into it. You know, yeah. we, we, it's the that, challenge that can be fun. You know, you, you play, and that and that can be fun. So.
4: Yeah, you know, I've especially viewed music almost like a puzzle, in that you know how how can I solve the puzzle? How can I fix? You know, how can I help? How can my music contribute to whatever the storyline is? How can I yeah, add another dimension? Yeah, how can I better tell the story? Yeah.
0: Well, and music is one of those kind of like uh, I used to be a stage manager in community theater, It's not like the same kind of thing as where if you do your job right, people really shouldn't be paying attention to the music. Makes sense. Yeah, sure. Um, do you find that a hard line to cross that you you make sure you have something there, but you don't want it to overpower? You know what else is on
4: the screen? Yeah, I mean it's I don't know when I when I write uh, uh, the picture, I always want to enhance what the story is. And so um, I don't know how you approach it, but like, um, you know, I often uh, uh, watch, watch a scene or watch the uh, um, other project without any sound. And I imagine what I would want to hear if I was watching it. That's it's just almost objectively. And um, or
3: intuitively, I, I start yeah. to hear things intuitively. You know, you, you're watching it without music. and. It just stuff starts to bubble up, you know, when, as you're watching it, it's, it's hopefully it's, it's informing you, it's telling you what it, what it needs. And that might be another dimension, another layer that isn't actually there yet, which, which, so you're going to actually take it in another direction or it might be supporting what's there. You also might have a director who's saying, "I really want you to support the this yeah. is, that they're in love with each other. <laughs> I want that, you know." So it's you know you there, you have that. There's always collaboration. There's always all of that. Yeah. So you have to kind of take all that into consideration and then fall in love with what you're doing, you know. Well,
0: and in terms of it, kind of along the same lines. I mean, I, I don't want to ask where do you get your ideas because obviously it like, depends on what you're composing. Yeah. Uh, but the, in terms of the ethers, of <laughs> what? the ethers yeah. it just comes yeah. out of the in terms clouds. Of, uh, you know. How long you think about you know where the ideas come from? Obviously, a lot of it comes from what's on the screen or what comes from the script. But in terms of that process, tell me a
3: little bit more about that. Yeah, well, like I said, it's it's uh, gosh, you know, I, I, I was just thinking about this today. I might I might say this later as well, but um, I was just thinking today, like it's it's for me, the process is kind of like falling in love. It's like you the you intuitively kind of get a hit from, you know, about the project what it is and then you have to get to know it. You ex- explore, you play, you know, you're you're writing and then at some point something hopefully something magical happens and I mean, it, it usually that's the usually the way it works for me. So all of a sudden something surprises and you're like, "Whoa." <laughs> and you know, you're like that's cool and I, you know, that's amazing. And that, that's, you know, that's kind of like what falling in love is like. It's the same kind of thing. And so you just take that process further and all, all the way through a season of a show or whatever, and it just keeps happening like that, if you're fortunate enough.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's a very similar approach of... I mean, it's very similar of just uh, trying out ideas and then, you know, uh, uh, what Bill said is totally true. When something clicks, there's something in me physically that just feels... Right, I almost get a rush of adrenaline. It's, it's like, like falling in love. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's, like that. it's like oh wow yes that works great it's fantastic a, it feels rush. right. It's, it's a rush. Yeah. Rush.
0: Have yeah. you ever had a moment where you felt like you needed to break up them? <laughs> oh my <God. laughs> yeah. the, the project and
3: <laughs> en- the project ends. The project's gonna end. Yeah. And so but we
0: maybe it's in the middle of the project.
3: Oh, in the middle of the project. Well, no, I've had those projects that are like those awkward coffee dates. Okay. Uh. I've, I've definitely yeah I've definitely had those. So. So, I mean, I, I hate the concept
0: of writer's block because it's just a matter of that you're trying to, you know, go through the next step. But I also, as a writer myself, I, I've come across times where I—it's I, not a block per se, where it's—it's it's just not fun. And yes, it's a job, but you still need to enjoy it too. Yeah. And so it's like I'm trying to keep it from burnout. Um, and so that's kind of where I'm getting from this. Um, how do you kind of stave off that burnout and to, to keep going and make it something that you want to keep doing? Yeah,
4: in, you know. Um I mean, there's certain there certainly is an element when the days are long, when it's hard to like, you know, keep it keep it going. But I think, you know, for me, it's about, you know, again coming back to the adrenaline feeling. Like when you do find it, and when you do discover new ideas, and when you're writing for a project that has a lot of music, you know, that could happen on a daily basis, and yeah. it's just a matter of it can happen two or three times. Yeah, in yeah. a Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, it's it's almost like um, I've actually run uh, four marathons, and sometimes it's it feels like a marathon in that. You know I see mile 10 coming up oh yes mile 10 and I you know and when I hit mile 10 I you know I know that I've accomplished a certain thing and that helps me propel forward so if the project feels big and overwhelming and I don't want to get burned out I can almost divide it up into certain ways and so I'm like okay well if I accomplish this I can get to there and get to there and get to there and then at the same time that that helps me and it could be very unique to me but it helps me get through long stretches where burnout could be an issue and
3: there's also this thing with us where you know with composers where or probably any artist I don't know how that works but <laughs> because we have these things where we we have seasons to do or we have a long film to do you know you, you know a hundred and ten minutes of music to write for just you know that that one thing in four weeks <laughs> and um oh my god I lost my train of thought
4: long music lots of music I'll uh, l- I'll come back to it. Okay. I'm sorry. Well, I
0: mean, and speaking of TV shows specifically, um, with it being a season long kind of thing, you obviously want to have it all sound similar because it's oh, the same TV show. That's exactly
3: but what but I you also was thinking. Yeah. To make it that's what I was so. thinking of. So so what happens is you're working on this body of you know, this body of music as you go and there'll be something in it that is going to inform something else. Mm-hmm. And so that's you know that is something that for all of us i think can can be useful and also if you can get you know if you can get a, a work to be cohesive yes and to be re- interrelated and to be um thematic and and uh, uh motivic in this way um you're going to have a stronger piece of work you're going to have a hopefully something that's really wor- you know worthwhile worth listening to even outside of that yeah Thing. and that's what that's what we're all shooting for really so working with melody and you know themes and you know I with, with this year this last year I did Dominion season just the season two and I started the whole process for a month and a half writing themes and I've really I have with TV I hadn't had that opportunity yet and that is such an incredible way to start something and got, and the fans reacted and the producers and the directors reacted and loved it. And it was this thing where I, st- I just started for, just for myself, I was writing like Michael's theme or theme for Noma or theme for, you know, the characters. And the fans just went nuts. And, or the, or for Vega, for the city itself. And that material s- yeah. kept going back and serving me through the entire season. I kept using Michael's theme for different things and Vega for different things in different forms. so. Writer's block is like at that point it's like just go to something and start, yeah. Just start with using that, even if it's just those five notes. Yeah. You know, just do the long version of them, put them upside down, put them in the bass, and go from there. You know, and sometimes I'll just put I'll put one tone <laughs> tone up.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll just
3: put one tone up on a in a scene.
4: Yeah, and and, and just start. That's awesome, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. You know, um, you know. So for me, it's about when i begin it's it's making the palette that you know making yeah. making i have a base template for when i work but then usually from there if it's a specific project i make and it takes time you know yeah. uh, it I'll takes probably, a lot of time yeah but like you figure okay i want to use this here there i take this out and then i weed out it's what so i'm going to use it. so yeah, oh yeah. and so then when you have a project then you know a part of the way to keep it cohesive is that you have almost like you have your paint that you're gonna use yeah. and you're already using the same palette. And so when you go from this scene to this scene to this scene to that scene, it does feel cohesive because you're using the same colors, yeah, so to speak. The same colors. And you can always branch out if you want to because that's, you know, uh, this day you have great technology and access to players so you can do that. But you have this base palette That that's <laughs> fine.
3: Was it Stravinsky that said um, he couldn't write without limiting himself first? Yes, yes, exactly. He had to create? a box that th- yeah. he was going to write from and then exactly whether it was ma- the, the melodic material yeah. or the scales mm-hmm. or whatever he was using yeah
4: and there's a great Bernstein quote too um, though it's not about limiting yourself but it's um, it says two great things are needed to achieve greatness um, um, an idea and not enough time yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah something yeah. like that I like, I like that yeah too. and that's like <laughs> it's true yeah you know and you know deadlines can be fast and furious <laughs> you <laughs> know and you know but like you don't have the luxury to sit around and say, "Oh, I'm gonna ponder this right. or whatever." It's, you know, yeah. you just have to.
0: Just or I to can go. To, I can go get
4: more coffee. <laughs> yeah. and,
3: like you know. Yeah. But it's
4: creating the tools. You know, just just how he said, like you know, if he has uh, the melody from certain themes, he has the tools. There's a tool. Yeah. It's a yeah. T- you know, it's a toolkit, and so he just applies yeah. those tools to the situation, and it helps.
3: And I program specific ambiences for that. You know, out of my own material for that show specifically, and then. And, you know, and then I would use Tina Guo on cello. Yeah. Just, you know, that would be a very specific thing. Yeah. Just just doing that. So,
0: yeah. Okay, I'll keep going. In terms of specifically genre, um, (laughs) what is different from, you know, uh, what do you feel is different in terms of genre music scoring a genre show versus scoring a non-genre show?
4: (laughs) Hmm. Um, I've done a
3: lot of genre.
4: Yeah, you might be better suited to answer this one.
3: Yeah, I mean, you you know, I think, um, when you're doing Incredible Hulk or Captain America, you know you really do have to be you know you, you have to stand on the shoulders of everything that came before you in a sense and because there's going to be some amount of expectation. But then of course, it's funny because then I there was there's these exceptions where you get like a guardians of the galaxy and all of a sudden you're hearing, you know, you've got your you, you've got your score, which is doing what is expected, right? But your this, that film, the magical thing about it was, I mean, come on, it was it was really the songs, <laughs> and it was that was really, and that's happened before. I mean, there've been soundtracks that have been really, you know, su- surprising in a great way and effective. But I mean, for me, most recently that knocked my socks off, and that is a genre film. We weren't expecting to hear that, so really, it's not like there's a steadfast there's a hard and fast rule. Um, I don't know. That, yeah, that's, no, that's just I mean, one perspective. you, you I have mean, much more
4: experience with this I, than I do.
3: You know, like for Dominion, you just, you know, you just have a. We're going back. You know, with that show in season two, we got to go back to biblical times. As much <laughs> as we, as, as much as we were in the post-apocalyptic times, oh, as much awesome. as we were kind of, we would also visit real time. So we we would visit our time post-apocalypse, and we go back to biblical times, and the score did all of that at the same time. So I was using all of that Middle Eastern stuff, and all that wonderful biblical history that we have to work with musically, and then all the really modern stuff, and all the the synths, and everything that you can do with that, and all the orchestra to do the epic, and choir, and everything. So, you know... um, I guess in that case, genre called for, yeah. it needed certain things. And when you really go for it, like, so I was using, you know, choir and everything, epic, and as well as the subtle electronica and the, the subtle biblical, and the beautiful, subtle, you know, authentic instruments and that sort of thing. And it's just, the audience just really, I, I think it just serves it. It just audience can be that much more um, immersed it's like an immersive you're doing an immersive thing you're bringing something that makes it immersive and I think that's something that we really can yeah. we really can bring time and place and soul and all of that and make it immersive and that's uh, that's a big exciting thing for us
4: well I'm mean. a
3: in like for like electronica I've yeah
4: well I c- you know I mean weirdest thing have used use as an I've used, right? yeah, com- right, right. I've used combinations yeah. of things. Um, I actually come, um, I come from the, uh, the, uh, the classical concert music world and so I've written some pieces in that realm in which I've used very unusual things. Um, I wrote a piece for a, uh, nice. a percussion quartet yeah. that used brake drums like from cars yeah. um, and then I've taken instruments in, um, in Quantum Break for example I actually had a vibraphone with the pedal down and I used a bow and I just have bowed vibraphone I've taken a timpani, you put it upside down. Uh, taken a cymbal, put it upside down on a timpani, and you roll, and it goes. <laughs> it sounds almost like sci-fi. Pa- yeah, so pa- it's not—it's not necessarily an unusual instrument, but but it's more of the combo.
3: I I played <laughs> just, it. Just, I just got one actually. So <laughs> really? <laughs> I'm, I'm
4: just plugging into my modulars right
0: now. I, I just did it yesterday. An actually. Really? You can play. Oh yes, <laughs> I, I I just saw that. I just saw. I have
4: that. a I have a good friend who's actually like a actual <laughs> legit. Theremin player. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah, Dalit Warsaw. She's a great composer and theremin player I in New York. Her, her oh, she's great. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. No, she's great, though. <laughs> Check her out. She's really good. That's yeah. cool.
0: I still have another panel that will end up as a feature podcast on streaming shows. Until next time, stay geeky. Thanks for listening to Geek Out with Angie Fiedler Sutton. The theme song is Schoolyard Haze by Yari Pitnikin, available via the Free Music Archive. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share-Alike license. More information about this podcast is available on AngieFSutton.com.